You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Good morning. From time to time, it's good to help out your husband, right? So that's what I'm doing today. I'm helping out my husband a little bit. Uh, He and Erica have had a very, very long week. They've been out every night. I go to bed before they come home. So... um, they're exhausted, um, still chipper and joyful as always. It's been a great experience to be part of that play. The Christmas Carol is one of the best little gems of a book you'll ever read in your life. If you do audiobooks, you should definitely listen to it. Um, Charles Dickens t- tells an amazing story of redemption through the person of Ebenezer Scrooge. And um, I won't go off on my literary tracks, but it's really an awesome story. The imagery, the messages... The biblical themes in it are just marvelous. And so that's one of the reasons why it stood the test of time. I mean, how many movie versions of it are there out there? Lots. So at any rate, um, it's really uh, just really fun to have been part of the play. So this morning, um, as we look to the Christmas story, I'm going to rely a lot on your um, foreknowledge of the Christmas story. It's one of those texts that... Uh, you know, we hear year in and year out because when Christmas rolls around, there's only certain texts really that tell the narrative of the Christmas story. And of course, there are other scriptures that we can weave in through there because we know that God's uh, messages are true throughout. And today, it's just kind of a simple uh, observation, interpretation, application kind of message. When we go to the Word of God, we go to the Word of God understanding that it is the authority in our life that we put ourselves under the authority of the word. And if there's something that um, we notice about the text, something that we observe, uh, it bears uh, moments of reflection and thinking about it and kind of unpacking the meaning of that and then applying it to our life. And that's how uh, you know it works. So very simple. Um, we're going to look uh, at something, uh, what the text says, uh, with observation, we're going to observe something about each of our characters, uh, and then we're going to kind of unpack the meaning of that, and then we're going to look at how that applies to our life. So what I want to do this morning is look at the people that are involved in the Christmas story. So before I start, let me just take a moment to pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Your word is our lifeline. Your word is where we find you, Jesus, where we find hope, where we find encouragement, where we find um, even um, moments where you use your word, Lord, to bring us back in line. Lord, we just thank you, Father, that your word is true and that we can look to the people that you have chosen to be part of this great story of Jesus and learn something from each of them. So allow us, Lord, to learn this morning and to apply to our lives the truths that we see. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus said this very interesting thing in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And Jesus said a lot of, um, uh, we call them the Beatitudes, uh, when he was on the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to focus on this one for just a moment, because I think this really characterizes the people of the Christmas story. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So the state of the heart really is a reflection of how much we will see God working in our lives. 
because if we're always if our heart is focused on self all the time it will be very hard to see God working because we want to always be looking for Jesus so what does pure in heart mean what marks these people when we think about Joseph when we think about Mary we think about the wise men we think about the shepherds what marks these people and when we think about uh what what it means to be pure in heart it means that there's an internal purity of the soul this is not necessarily an external purity so we know that we are supposed to be living right we are not supposed to be engaged in immoral or addictive behaviors or hurting other people uh, in various ways we know that to be pure in heart means that there's something about our our soul that is innocent and pure. It means we think the best of people. It means that we have a singleness of heart toward God. It means that singleness is he's the only one that we are looking to please. We're not thinking about what other people are thinking about us. We're not trapped by, oh, you know, what's the perception if I do this or if I go serve at a soup kitchen, people are going to think that I'm just doing it because I want brownie points or something with God. That's not what it is. Single, a single heart toward God means it doesn't matter what other people think. I just want to please God in everything that I do. I want to honor God in everything that I do. There's no hypocrisy with someone who has a pure heart. We know what hypocrisy is. And let me just make a side note that hypocrisy exists everywhere. You know, uh, the world is very quick to point the finger at the church that we're hypocritical. Let's just look at all areas of our culture. So many people exhibit hypocrisy from, you know, politicians to Hollywood to you name it. It's a human problem. (laughs) It's a human problem. It's not it's not a church problem Uh, with someone who's parent heart. There's no hidden motives. There's no selfish motives. So I don't have to, like, sneak around trying to do the right thing. It's, you know, I'm just doing the right thing. I'm living the right way. There's no deceit. I'm not trying to trick anyone. And there's an uncompromising desire to please God in all things. That we seek to honor God in everything that we say and everything that we do. Now, of course, we are human, and we at times will fail but the word says, you know what, it's okay if you stumble because God's going to help you get up and we're going to try again next time, right? So the Lord doesn't give up on us. Sometimes we blow it. I'm, well, I promise you, we all blow it, right? We all do it. So um, we, But we have that underlying desire that even when I make a mistake, I'm still going to honor Jesus. I'm going to get up. I'm going to hold on to the word, and I'm going to move forward and um, model my life after Christ. Okay, so if we take a minute and let's look at the people that are marked by purity of heart. So what I want to do today, uh, we're going to first look at Joseph, and we're going to look at the text and what the text actually says, the phrases and the words that the text say, and then we're going to kind of unpack the meaning of that. So when we think about Joseph, um, we think about, um, obviously, uh, a man who um, acted in obedience to the word of the Lord. Um, in Matthew 1, verse 19, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, 
he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And of course, this is referring to Mary. So when Joseph discovers that Mary is with child, um, he has he thinks he has to figure out what he needs to do. Because Joseph is faithful to the law, he understands, understood, that you shouldn't be pregnant if you're not married, okay? And so this was something that he took God's word very seriously. So he was faithful to the law, and he was a righteous man. So the law meaning God's word, he always wanted to be true to God's word, and he was righteous. Righteousness, we can think about it in a very simple way. Righteousness means we live right in the sight of God. We um, do right and act right. We, c- we know, we can assume from this, that Joseph knew the word of God. Uh, now, of course, this is before New Testament. They had the Old Testament. Remember, he was uh, Jewish. And he faithfully followed the ways of the Lord according to the scriptures that they had at the time. So even in um, how he chose to treat Mary, did you, do you pick up on this? It says he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Notice how much integrity is there. Notice that his heart is right in the sense that he perceived that Mary had sinned. But he didn't make a big deal about it. He didn't go talking to people, oh no, you know what Mary did, and accuse her publicly or degrade her in any way. He was like, you know what? I'm not going to disgrace her. I'm not going to discredit her. I'm just going to kind of handle this under the radar. But I can't marry her because of what's happened. So how do we treat people when we find out that there's sin there? Are we quick to point it out? Are we quick to judge? Are we quick to talk to other people about it? Because that's not righteous. Because sin is between us and the Lord. And if we do see that there is sin in someone, uh, that, uh, you know, Paul says if there's a, a brother that's sinned, you know, we go and talk to them about it. We encourage them, help them to get out of that. But we don't need to make a spectacle. And Joseph didn't want to make a spectacle of Mary. How wonderful that is, right? Just how wonderful. So we know that not only was uh, Joseph faithful to the law of the Lord, not only was he living right, but we also notice from Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, that he acted immediately as soon as the Lord had spoken into his life. When Joseph woke up, now remember he had woken up um, from a dream the Lord had spoken to him. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did not hesitate. The Lord spoke. He said, it's okay, Joseph. Take Mary as your wife. Uh, and the minute he got up, he was like, all right. He obeyed the Lord. And how, how many times do we feel like the Lord's telling us to do something or we read something in Scripture and we kind of delay? We kind of find our reasons not to do it. Well, I don't know. I got this. I got that. I got this. Joseph didn't hesitate. He heard the Lord. The Lord spoke to his life. This is what you need to do. And he did it. And he acted immediately. Hebrews 4, 2b and James 2, 17, both verses 
tell us that the, the message that we hear must be combined with faith and action. So it's, it's great to hear a message from the Lord, or it's great to read a scripture verse about taking care of widows and the poor and the needy, but if we're not acting on that, then what good is our faith, right? So here we see that Joseph acted on his faith. So that's what, those are the phrases that, and I'm pulling these right out, out of the word. This is exactly what the text means. So now let's move to Mary. So when we look at Mary, Mary in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 30 and 45. And if you aren't already familiar with the Christmas story, because I'm just assuming that most of you are familiar with it, um, the Christmas story is in Matthew and in the book of Luke, and those are where you find um, the whole Christmas story. So you can read the whole thing. It's quite a chunk. I won't take time to do that today. But I'm just going to focus in on Luke chapter 2, verse 38, which says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary was visited by an angel and told that she would become pregnant and that, um, that he would be Jesus. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. This is her response. Lord, I serve you. And so let it be to you as you have said. And then later on it says in the text, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her, that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. There was a remarkable belief and faith in Mary. I don't know about you, but this is pretty extraordinary circumstances. And perhaps um, one of the reasons why the Lord chose Mary is because she had an uncompromising trust in the Lord. And the angelic visitation, although she wondered, oh, wow, how is this going to be? It was not a question that was demanding that God explain everything to her she humbly accepted god's will even though it was impossible even though it didn't make any sense she didn't complain she didn't make any excuses she didn't worry about what maybe she worried about what the neighbors were going to think i mean that had to have crossed her mind but she humbly trusted in god above all things and she accepted it and she didn't know how it was all going to work out how many times do we kind of let our mind go a little crazy? How is this going to be? What's going to happen? Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. And we kind of fret, right? We fret. And the Lord's like, just trust me. You don't have to know all the details. The Lord has everything in his hands. And so Mary had that uncompromising trust. So she wondered, you know, we can wonder. It's kind of like when Abraham, when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars, right? And Abraham says, if you haven't read this text in a while, it's really kind of interesting because Abraham goes, God, I don't, know, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't have any kids. How am I supposed to have descendants that, that are that many? And he asked God, how, how is this going to happen? And you know what the Lord's response is? The Lord says, build me an altar and worship me. So the Lord doesn't tell him how it's going to happen. He just says, worship me. Just worship me. I got it all figured out. And he did. Even though Abraham didn't necessarily see the fulfillment of that, we know that God was true. So uh, with, when we think about Mary, 
there's no resentment there. There's no, why me? I mean, this is pretty crazy. There's no bitterness. It's just the heart, the pure heart of someone who has faith in the Almighty God. Next, we move to the wise men. Now, the wise men uh, we see in, in the book of Matthew. In a tradition, we depict three wise men, but the only reason that tradition depicts three is because there were three gifts. We actually don't know how many wise men there were. And we know that they came from the east. So a little bit of background, we know that um, the uh, Israelites were in captivity in um, Babylon for 70 years. And uh, theologians uh, think that perhaps there were biblical texts that were left behind because during that period of captivity, the Jews had a renewed interest in the scriptures and redevoted their life to the worship of God and not of idols because when they went back, they they didn't have any more idols. Uh, Even archaeological evidence, interestingly enough, has um, confirmed that. Uh, And so they uh, are men who are seeking. We know that they are wise, so they're studying. Uh, They are probably well-read, well-studied. And so they are, in Matthew chapter 2, we see they are seeking the king of the Jews. They know that something is up, and they want to find out what it is. And then, of course, they saw the star in the sky. So they saw the sign, the star marked where the Savior was going to be born. And so they followed the star, and their purpose behind following the star was to worship. They didn't want anything from Jesus. They didn't come looking to be blessed or healed or have great riches. No, in fact, they came with rich, precious gifts to give to Jesus. So there was this selflessness. We just are coming to worship him because we know who he's going to be. We know who this is. So that selflessness of just pure worship as opposed to Herod who said, oh, when you find him, let me know where he is and I will go worship him too. And we know that there was not a good motive there with King Herod. He was threatened. So that is the wise men. Now, if we look at the shepherds and we look at uh, what the text says, and of course, this becomes very familiar to us. And a lot of times when a scripture becomes very familiar to us, it really um, is on us to stop and think about, unpack the meaning a little bit differently than we ever do. Because it's easy to read. Like we can read through the Bible, but we've got to stop and think about it. We've got to make connections uh, with the scriptures. So in in Luke chapter 2 verse 8, we see that the text says they were living in the fields. They were keeping watch over their flocks. They were shepherds. They were um, sheep farmers. That's what shepherds are. They were doing it at night. I, I don't particularly care for night shifts, but they had to, right? And when they had seen him, this is what the word says, when they had seen him, they spread the word. They went and shared what they had seen with everyone else. So let's take a minute and look at these descriptors and kind of put it into our own uh, understanding here. They were working. These guys were busy taking care of their flocks. They were watchful and alert 
The scriptures tell us, don't fall asleep, be alert, be on guard, stand at your post, uh, be watchful in prayer. Michelle uh, pointed out how prayer is the most important work. When we are in prayer, we are alert in the spirit, and the Holy Spirit can alert us to things. So they are busy. They're doing their job. They are watchful. They are committed. They are with those sheep 24-7. They could not leave them. They were caring for the needs of those sheep. And, um, of course, uh, that would be a whole other sermon to talk about the life of a shepherd and taking care of sheep, but many biblical and spiritual applications to that. But they were tending for the needs of others very selflessly. They were protecting the innocent sheep. The sheep could not defend themselves. If a lion or some other predator came along, the sheep are, they have, they are defenseless. They had no recourse against that. And even in darkness, so they were, they were there at night. So even in darkness, now I put darkness in quotations. I, I know it's my Englishy literary thing, but what it means is it means that we can take that observation of a fact in Scripture. So it was literally night when they were watching their flocks. But we can take that and we can think about the meaning metaphorically and spiritually. Is not the world a dark place? Sometimes don't you feel like the darkness is a little bit much in our modern culture, that it feels discouraging. It feels like there's so much evil around. And so we can take this idea of the shepherds watching over their flocks at night, even in darkness, even when the days get dark, when the times get evil, when you endure suffering, it feels like a dark night of the soul, right? Yet, we must be faithful. We cannot stop serving the Lord. We cannot stop praying. We cannot stop watching out for the needs of others, innocent, innocent people who um, we need to protect and care for, the widows. The po- Scripture tells us what's pure religion, to take care of the widows and the poor, to tend to the needs of others. We should be, even though the days are getting dark, church, we should be, trying to care for the needs of those around us, the needs of our community, people that are hurting, people that need Jesus, people that need food, people that need clothing. It doesn't matter how evil the days get, church. We are still supposed to be at our post, watchful, caring for the needs of others, praying for people, doing our godly kingdom work. We don't close ourselves into our house, right, and lock the door and say, oh my gosh, it's so crazy out there. Yes, it's crazy out there. And Jesus told us of all these signs that are coming. And Paul tells us what is going to mark culture. And we're seeing it. But it does not mean that we lock ourselves away in our little Christian bubble and say, I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to affiliate with my Christian friends and I'm just going to wait until Jesus comes back. That is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. 
So the shepherds are, even in darkness, watchful, alert, on duty, doing their job. And then when the angels showed up and they said, we've got great news for you, guys that haven't given up your post. They didn't give up their post. They stayed faithful. And the angels announced it. Jesus is here. We've got good news. And so the shepherds went right to see Jesus. And then after they saw Jesus and they worshipped him, what did they do? They shared the message. You got to hear what, what, I, what we just experienced. This is amazing news. It's this little baby, but he's the hope of the world. And they shared the message. We have to do that. We have to do that. So, as we look at the characters, how do we apply this? So we've looked at what the text says. We've observed what the Bible said about these people. We've unpacked the meaning. That's interpretation. What does it mean? And now let's apply. Let's apply. So, how can we see God in our lives? Because all of these people that were marked with a purity of heart, guess what? They saw Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus in your life? I do. In fact, I do. Every day I see Jesus because I'm looking for him wherever I go. And he shows up in the littlest ways. And if you don't notice him in the little ways, you're not going to see him in the big ways. That's how it works. When, we've, when we're given little and we're faithful with little, God will give us more. So when we acknowledge, when we see Jesus, you know those little things that come across your path that you kind of go, hmm, that's kind of a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. That could be a prayer reminder. I was sitting, okay, application. I was laying in a hospital bed, like gone, right? Like I was very, very sick. Church, we are on assignment wherever we go wherever we go. And I'm laying in the hospital bed. It's midnight. I just had a procedure. And um, there was uh, my nurse. He was a a really kind Filipino man, walked in and kind of did the whole intake process and everything like that. And I thought, even as sick as I was, I was like, yes, Lord, I remember. I have to pray for someone. And we have a a family, uh, some friends of Erica. They are a Filipino family. And uh, her best friend's father, he had to have a heart transplant. And so he had been waiting years for that. And so I was like, oh, my nurse is a Filipino man. I'm going to remember to pray. As sick as I was, pray for this man that I knew was having a heart transplant at the very same time I was in the hospital. And then, you know, what happened. The next morning, my breakfast tray showed up. I wasn't really very hungry, I will be honest with you. But you know those little fruit cups? Um, You know, like the dole, like the peaches and the little fruit cups you can make? Okay, so I had one of pineapples on my breakfast tray. And, um, you know, I'm not particularly into, like, just eating, like, a whole bowl of pineapples. But I happened to notice on the side of the container, do you know what it said? Made in the Philippines. And I said, yes, Lord, I'm not going to forget to pray. And I just took a moment and prayed. Now, listen, you may be thinking that I'm crazy, and I don't care what you think, because I'm telling you that was Jesus, because my life, I am called, 
My whole life, I've been called to be an intercessor. That's what I do. I pray. Wherever I go, I pray for people. I pray for the car in front of me. I, pr- I, I pray. So I know that that little container of pineapples that said made in the Philippines, that was for me to remind me not to stop praying. And do you know he was released early from the hospital and the Lord did a work in him and he's doing great. He's out doing yard work and everything. And that's not because, that's not because of me and what I said or didn't say. Because remember, I was very sick. And sometimes when you're, when you're sick, you're not really clear. I, they were not eloquent prayers by any stretch of the imagination. But it shows the goodness of God that God cared about someone so much that he sent me a prayer reminder. And the Lord is sending you prayer reminders every day. Do you have the eyes to see? Do you have the heart to understand that the Lord is sending you? And that's how we see Jesus. Okay, so how do we see Jesus in our lives? We live right. Now, most of us are doing this already. We're living right in terms of our external life. We're not engaged in immoral activity or anything like that. For the most part, if we walk with the Lord a long time, we are living right. But in our attitudes, in our heart, are we living right? Are we thinking the best of people? Are we not getting bitter and angry, right? So it's really the internal things I find a lot as we walk with the Lord. Those are the things we wrestle with. We're, we get upset easily. We lose our patience or, you know, we begin to regret and then things fester, like things like that. So live right. Love and faithfully follow God's word. I don't know about you, but I love God's word. I love God's word. Like, I, I can't even go past one verse, and oh, it's just so precious to me. I love it. I love it. Hold on to God's word. And even if you don't know it all, it doesn't matter. What you do know, hold on to it. And then keep reading, keep thinking, keep praying, keep being under good teaching. Love the Lord's word and follow the Lord's word. Do what it says to the best of your ability. Act on the word. Do what it says. When we see something in scripture and we kind of are like, you know, I I haven't done that in a while. We need to do it, you know, whether it be something as simple as confessing. uh, Maybe it's something like you know, going and serving in a food pantry or uh, working, ministering in the church or helping out, anything. Do what the, what the word says. Humbly believe God. Listen, you don't have to understand all the details. We want to because we want to know the future. But the future is dark. We don't know the future. And even if God did tell us the future, honestly, would we really be that excited about it? Probably not. Because we really only want to hear, we really only want to hear the good things. Right? So like, if somebody had told me that I was going to be at death's door in June of 2023, I'd be like, I'm not good with that, Lord. Right? Right? <laughs> Okay, 
So knowing the future really isn't going to change anything. And just like, it's just like a parent to a child. Like if you tell them you're going to the zoo a week before you're going to the zoo, they think you're going to the zoo like now, right? <laughs> Remember when you had kids and they were little? Like you couldn't tell them until right before you were going or like the night before you were going somewhere fun because they were like, yeah, let's go now. And you're like, no, 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 that's next week. What? Like they didn't understand it. So the future is always in the Lord's hands. The future is always dark and silent, but not to the Lord. And that's why we have to trust the Lord. That's why we have to just like, like Mary. Mary didn't, she didn't understand everything. She didn't know how this was all going to work out. She didn't, she didn't even really understand probably what that meant, the Savior of the world. Because remember, the Jews kind of had their perception of what, who the Messiah was going to be. And then Simeon said to her, a sword will pierce your heart too. And she took that word and hid it in her heart. And I think she probably didn't really understand until she was at the foot of the cross, what that meant. So we have to trust the Lord. All the details are going to work out. Notice the signs of his presence in your life. If Listen, the Lord is going to speak to you in the ways that you will understand based on your personality, based on your experiences, based on patterns in your own life where the Lord has showed up in different times in different ways. There, you know, God is going to... And you're not crazy... I'm not crazy because of pineapples. It's because the Lord is going to mark your path. He's going to show you that he's there. But do you have the eyes to see that? And when you have the eyes to see it in the little ways, then he's going to start showing up in big ways because you acknowledge him in the little ways. If you keep shutting him down, nah, that was coincidence, nah, that was coincidence, guess what? It's gonna, he's going to have a hard time showing up. So notice the signs of his presence. Notice the signs of his coming. You know he is coming back. Have you looked at the world? There's war in Israel. There's war in the Middle East. Now, I am not, I'm not saying anything. Listen, only the Lord knows the timeline. We just watch the signs. Just like a farmer will watch the sky and know the weather that will be rolling in, and whether it's a good time to plant or a good time to reap. Um, you know, my dad was a dairy farmer. My dad, he could look at the, the cloud pattern in the sky, and he could tell what the weather was going to be. It was so cool. He rarely looked, he wet, rarely watched the weather report. My, it, it was, just, it, would, it amazed me. At any rate, you know, we just watched the signs, and what do we do? We watch the signs, and then we keep doing the kingdom work. We don't get caught up in the signs. We don't get caught up in all these prophetic things that are happening. We've already got the word. The word is prophetic. The word says Jesus is coming. Here are some signs. Keep at your job. Even though the days are dark, keep doing the kingdom work. Keep being a Christian. Keep being pure of heart. Keep living right. Keep tending for the needs of those that are around you or for the, whoever puts in your path. Keep looking for Jesus daily. I think I've made that point well. 
so I'm not going to belabor that one. <laughs> and, you know, as a teacher, I tend to repeat things, so I apologize. I know you guys are very intelligent and you get it. Um, set your heart to worship him for who he is without anything in return. Just worship. Don't keep looking for the stuff from God. Listen. We have to delight in who he is. Okay, the scriptures tell us we are his inheritance and he is our inheritance. Heaven is all about the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about stuff. And it's not about how many times I get healed while I'm on this earth. It's not. Because sometimes... I'm not healed, but I have to trust the Lord for his reasons why. And he has reasons. He always has reasons. So I have to learn how to worship God no matter where I am, no matter what state I'm in. I just have to know who he is, and I have to know that he's with me. Listen, I've had a long year, church. I've had a long year, and I'm telling you, Jesus has marked my, never for a moment, we, and we had our scary moments, but never for a moment was Jesus not there with me. Not one moment. I had my moments where my flesh failed and my heart failed. I had my moments where I thought, Lord, what? What about my family? If God takes me, that's okay. Because I know where I'm going. So why am I there? I'm there because somebody in that hospital needs Jesus. And even though I might not get an opportunity to speak to them, I can pray for them. So even though my words weren't eloquent, I just silently lift up prayers, lifted up prayers, worship the Lord. Lord, you are here even in the darkest of night, even when I don't know what tomorrow holds. He holds me. And that is worthy of worship, church. That is worthy of worship. So we worship him for who he is. We don't look for anything in return. We stay busy with the gospel work, even if it gets dark. We are watchful and we are faithful to the kingdom work. We care for the needs of other people. Don't get self-absorbed. Don't, okay, you can have a pity party moment if you want, but it's only a moment. Move on. Because there's purpose in whatever it is that you're facing, and the purpose in what you're facing is for somebody else. We are vessels And in our weakest moments is oftentimes when the power of the Lord is released, whether through our prayers or through our words or through our actions or through our examples. But we don't even know it. Why? Because his power is made perfect in our weakness. So sometimes I think he intentionally puts us in weak moments.
but only if we let him. You see, if we're selfish, you see, if we're always thinking about ourselves, oh, woe is me, woe is me, why is this happening? That's going to shut down the power of the Lord. I'll tell you why it's happening. We know why bad things happen. The scriptures tell us we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where we make bad decisions sometimes. Other people make bad decisions that affect our lives. We have an enemy of our soul that is wandering around the earth trying to distract you from Jesus, trying to pull you down. Don't let him. Jesus has to be glorified. I, I, I put my head back on a pillow and I said, Lord, this is ridiculous. You better get some glory out of it. For us, not for me, for him, for him, for him. It's all about him. And these people understood it. So, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You will see God. And if you're in a place in life where you're not seeing the Lord, I'm going to pray in a moment. And I'm going to pray that the Lord would open your eyes to see him in your that he would mark your path and that he would show up in whatever way he wants to show up and in whatever way will encourage you to stay faithful, to keep at it, to not give up. There's always hope. There's always light in darkness. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful today. Jesus, we're just so grateful for you so grateful, Father, that you sent your Son to earth because you loved us so much and because you wanted to fix what had been broken in this fallen world. Thank you, Jesus, that you have fixed what is broken and that you are coming again and you will restore everything unto yourself. Today in this house, Lord, let us see you. Open our eyes, Jesus, to see you every day in little ways, in big ways. Open our eyes to see the needs of the people around us, that we can take care of the people that you bring across our path, Lord. Why? Because the days are evil, the days are dark, and your light needs to be shared. Your hope needs to be shared. Lord, make us vessels. Help us keep the faith, Lord. We trust you. And just like Amy said this morning, we know you have been so faithful in the past. We know you are faithful today, so we don't have to worry about you being faithful in the future because you are already there. And we don't have to know all the ways of that because we trust you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray today that you would open our eyes to see you, open our ears to hear you. And Lord, may your name be glorified in our lives, not our name, Jesus, your name. All glory to you. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.